The following podcast may contain spoilers, profanity, and views or opinions that may not be representative of the author's intent of the articles discussed. We don't always take ourselves or the subject matter seriously either. Listener discretion is advised. The following is a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. The Force is strong with us, and we hope it is strong with you. Welcome to another edition of the New Jedi Archives with Zach Hagenbusher and Ben Schultz. Well, hello, Zach. And hello, Ben. How are you today? I'm doing pretty well. That Doing is good. pretty well. We are back in person. We're, we're able to look at each other from the other side of this couch here. Yeah, I'm not sure how much I enjoy this. Yeah. Do you want to go back to the other way? I can, I can drive back right now. <laughs> no, nah, that seems like a waste of gas. Yeah, you know, you're actually right. It would be a waste of gas. So I'm going to stick around. <coughs> wow. Way to go, bud. No, I'm kidding. You said now, Ben, you said your voice was uh, not feeling the best today, right? Yeah, I'm a little bit out of it today. Okay, all right. Well, keep that in mind as you listen, okay? Ben's not at 100%. He also may not be at 100% mental capacity. He he may not be thinking clearly when he says some of the comments that he's about to say. Uh, no. <laughs> you would really enjoy that, wouldn't you? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Well, this is the new Jedi Archives. Thank you for listening to another episode. Uh, we are going to be talking about... What's probably on everybody's mind right now, and that would be the Star Wars movie that's currently in theaters. And we're talking about Solo, a Star Wars story. But before we get into that, I want to thank everybody who's listening on whatever avenue you're listening to us on. iTunes, Google Play, uh, Spreaker, Stitcher wherever you get your podcasts, and of course, GNCasts.com. We're in, uh, Spreaker's the original home of the podcast. You can find every episode that we've done, but we're going through and re-uploading some of the older episodes as well, so keep an eye out for the special editions of those. And that's mostly the prequels, right? No, I, I actually I think it's just about every core movie. Yeah, I think it was the, origi- the original six. The original six. Yeah. God, it bothers me that I have to say original six and include the prequels. It was the original trilogy plus the prequels. Okay, sure. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> I, I would say at this point, the original six is, is valid, considering that they were made by one dude, and now the rest are being made by another group of people. Okay. There we go. We agreed. All right. And that Show's over. Of, let's, <laughs> let's end on a high note. One of the... <laughs> One of the few things. Uh, so let's let's talk about Solo. We, of course, have both seen the film. And just like we did with The Last Jedi, we have not talked at, at length about this film at all with each other before turning on these microphones, which I think is a great idea. So we're just going to go. We're just going to have fun with it. And I, I do have some questions written down, but obviously if, if something comes up and you feel like you want to talk about something i mean just bring it up it doesn't really matter oh i will don't worry um but what i would like to do is i would like to start for people who have not seen the movie okay if you're listening to this and you're thinking man i just don't know about this movie you know i just don't know about this whole solo thing i've heard all of the all of the negative behind the scenes stuff that has happened the directors got fired or man i i might be approaching star wars burnout and i don't know if i want to go see a star wars movie so soon in the theater which 
to answer that, I'd be like, what are you, insane? Have you, <laughs> I've, I've been waiting for movies to come out like this for forever, right? Like, I, I've, I, it used to be that I didn't think another Star Wars movie would ever come out in the theater. So to think that somebody would be sick of Star Wars, that that's insane to me. But if you are one of those people... Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about the movie from a non-spoiler perspective, because I know a lot of people care about that. I don't care about that personally, but I know a lot of people do. So, Ben, I just wanted to get your overall spoiler-free impression of the film. If you are a fan of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, you will likely be a fan of Solo. To me, they fall in the same category. I think it was a good Star Wars movie. I think it had a good Star Wars feel. Um, I think it was entertaining. Um, I actually don't even think the plot was bad. I just don't personally think it was a good Han Solo movie. Um, for reasons that we'll get into when we discuss spoilers. But overall, if you're looking for a good time, I was not disappointed watching the movie from a pure i'm sitting here to watch a star wars movie perspective cool it, and that's different from how you felt about the last jedi right very different now don't get me wrong i still have some questions and concerns about solo um but those questions are concerns and concerns are about where it fits in with the broader scope and the broader character but as a movie as a standalone piece not bookend by existing material it's not bad Okay. Um, in my opinion, the demand at the theater seemed much less for this movie. And, I mean, if you look at the numbers, it's made about $50 million less, or it's on track to at the time of this recording, make about $50 million less than Rogue One did in its original opening weekend. Uh, and that's pretty insane when you think about it's the summer movie season, it's Memorial Day weekend, in theory... We should have had a pretty big coming out party for this and, thing. And it's Han fucking Solo. Right. So I, did you notice a, a little bit less demand where you saw it? Well, yeah, yes, I did. Um, I went, okay, the theater that I went to, I only go to when we happen to be camping and there's a movie coming out that I want to see. Okay. okay. So the last movie I went and saw in this theater was the very first G.I. Joe film. When we went to see that movie, we almost didn't get tickets because it was almost sold, sold out. Okay. And we went on the third day that the movie was released for that movie. I went and saw Solo on Saturday. So that's the second or third day, right? Right. Uh, the, I went with my two kids. And we were three of maybe 12 people in the theater at the time. And it was the only theater within 50 miles showing solo. And okay. it's a new theater with decent seating. You know, it's not that it's a crappy theater. It's not that it, they're just, it just astounds me that there was that little, um, or that few of people in there. I bought my tickets online in advance because I was worried we wouldn't get seats otherwise. And uh, I actually got the best seat in the house. I sat in exactly the middle of the theater sure. in the acoustic sweet spot, which I could test for because there was 12 people in the whole damn theater. I was 
there was the regular amount of demand for that first Thursday night showing, right? Like, I, I was in the first showing, 7 p.m., Thursday night, and the theater was full. I went back on Saturday night for a 3D show, and the theater was far from full. You know, I, I, I bought my ticket at the door for, you know, to find, and I found the seat that I wanted to sit in. So, if that tells you anything, I guess, yeah, there, there must have been similar experiences across the country, and maybe even across the globe. Right, because we, we saw the movie 300 Miles Apart. Right. <laughs> so, that's a fairly good sampling of northern Wisconsin at the very least. Right. Uh. Were you looking forward to this movie, Ben? And if, if you weren't, uh, let me... If, I guess if you were, why? If you weren't, why not? Um, I had mixed feelings about Solo. First of all, I love Han Solo. So, yes, I wanted to see a Solo movie. But I really had a bad taste in my mouth. In kind of a Star Wars The Phantom Menace kind of way. Really? <laughs> Yeah, well, from Last Jedi. I had a bad taste in my mouth. Oh. And so I oh was... Oh, my God. I can't believe you're even comparing those two. It's not even close. You're right. The Last Jedi was worse than The Phantom Menace. I'm just comparing the way I'm feeling. You really feel that way? <laughs> that I like The Phantom Menace more than Last Jedi? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, wow. Okay. I don't I don't even know if we can keep going. <laughs> this. That's insane. That's insanity. But okay, continue. Um... So my, I was trepidatious. I did not have high expectations of so, for Solo. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to report that it met all the expectations I did have. And in many cases exceeded them. But I did not have high hopes for it going in. Okay. Uh, the only reason I went to see it in theaters opening weekend is because I told you I would so that we could do this episode. Yeah. If if we hadn't had the plans to do this, I probably would not have seen it opening weekend. I'll, I'll give you this, okay? I definitely wanted to see it, right? I'm a hardcore fan. I got to see it opening weekend. But the only reason why I went back a second time was because of this podcast. So and I I willingly fully willingly saw Force Awakens 10 separate times in the theater. And I saw The Last Jedi 5 separate times in the theater because I wanted to see them that many times. Like I felt compelled to go to watch the movie. With this film, I didn't even feel compelled to go the second time. The only reason why I went is because I I needed to take better notes for what we were going to talk about. So if that's any indication to you out there, if you haven't seen the movie, I think it's worth watching, but I don't think you'll be like, man, I really want to go again. I don't think it's that kind of movie. I also don't think you'll hate yourself if you wait for it to come out on DVD or digitally and rent it. No, probably not. Uh, and lastly, let's let's keep it positive for the people who haven't seen it yet. Who was your favorite character in the movie or your favorite performance? Oh, I liked Lando. Don't get me wrong. The guy who did Han did a good job with the script he was given. And we'll get into that when we're talking spoiler-wise. But I really enjoyed Lando's, uh, Donald Glover's portrayal of Lando. I thought he did very well. Um, I thought the character who, or the, the guy who played Han Solo, 
I don't remember his name off the top of my head now. Alden Ehrenreich. Thank you. Um, I think he did a very good job. Um, the the problems that I have are not related to his performance. Um, but I would say Lando. I would say Han. I thought that... Um, and, you know, frankly, uh, I think it's Jonas, but it could be Jonas. Jonas Watamo, who plays Chewbacca. Did a good job. I thought he was excellent. I mean, granted, I, I thought that he had been doing a good job, you know, up to this point. He's the same guy that played Chewbacca in Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and presumably will in, in Episode Nine as well. But, uh, I mean, this is where he really came into his own in the role. You know, he, he has the... There's a lot of screen time for Chewbacca in this movie. So you get the full physicality of Chewbacca. Um, there's just a lot of emotion that comes out of that performance. And I, I think he does a great job. All right. So right now, if you don't want spoilers for the movie, shut us off. That's right. This is your warning. And then come back when you see the movie. And listen to the rest. That's right. Because now it's not spoiler-free anymore. That's right. We are in spoiler territory. Okay. So, Ben, it's another Star Wars movie fronted by an orphan or abandoned child. <laughs> right, because you can't have a Star Wars movie without an orphan or abandoned child. I thought you'd get a kick out of that. That was my first thing I noticed about this movie. I was like, oh, okay, so it's another orphan. <laughs> it's It's, you know... Darth Sidious could have saved himself so much trouble by just wiping out every orphan in the galaxy. All of the orphans. Bring them to me. If you do not know your parents, you will die. (laughs) No more orphanages because the orphans are too dangerous to the dark side. Uh, I thought the whole Corellia sequence was actually really cool. Right down to like... Han's white vest outfit that he had, you know, it almost looked like a mirror version of the one, the the version, the older Han that we see. And I thought it had like the vibe of concept art, like Ralph McQuarrie's concept art, right down to like the speeders that he was flying, like the car that he stole. Did you feel that same way? I it it felt very Star Wars to me. I was I was kind of shocked to learn that Han was an orphan at first, but the feel of the movie was there. So I went with it. Sure. You know what I mean? And it's it's new whatever. So, yay. So what did you make of, because I, I know a lot of people, maybe not a lot, but I, I did have conversations with several people before the movie came out. I think I, I was working at GameStop and uh, someone had mentioned, uh, you know, I, I, somebody mentioned it. I said, are you excited for the new one? And they said, well, I don't know, man. I just can't imagine Han Solo joining the Empire. Like, because... Like, in the trailers for the movie, they hint, you know, they, they, they basically reveal that a part of the plot is Han enlisting in the, in the Imperial Army. Well, see, and, and ironically, that's not the part of the Han. That's not what makes me go, uh, this is not a good Han Solo movie. Um what and we'll get into that later i had no problem with han enlisting especially with the motivation of he just wants to fly and that's the fastest way to get him in the cockpit of something that flies yeah for sure i i guess we don't have to go in order so let let me just ask what what is this issue that you have How, with this movie this bubbling under oh, okay. the surface here's, you're like oh i don't i don't i don't think it was a good han here's, solo here's movie. my issue 
Okay. And this issue could be resolved. Okay. Okay. It can be. And so I'm I'm not condemning the movie for this. But you have a Han Solo at this point who is sitting on a small fortune of coaxium, which is a shit name, but whatever. <coughs> He's sitting on a small fortune in coaxium, and he gives up the money to help the rebellion. Sure. A rebellion. Right. That is a far cry from the Han Solo in A New Hope, who only helps because of promise of money, gets paid, and leaves. But he doesn't leave. Oh, well, he does. No, he doesn't. He doesn't leave. He comes back. Coming back means he left. If he never left, he wouldn't have to come back. Okay, but but the point is he came back. He is a hero at the end of the day. Right, and, and the problem is that was a big growth moment for Han Solo. That was a huge growth moment for Han Solo, and now it no longer is. I disagree. I disagree. Well, that's fine. You're wrong uh, a lot. So no, I'm disagree. not. How am I fucking wrong about this? It's laying the groundwork. This, I, I knew you were going to have a problem but, with this. But it's Han not Solo. laying the groundwork. It's definitively saying Han Solo will always do the right thing in the end. The thing is, Ben, he's okay. It's quote unquote a small, a small fortune of coaxium, but it doesn't come without its baggage. It doesn't come without its problems. If, if frankly. The, the small amount that he's left with is perfect, is fine. It, it, if he continues he, to carry that large he, amount, he, it could become dangerous for if him. If he would have turned the large amount of coaxium over to Crimson Dawn, he would have been rich. But he couldn't do it. Why not? Because he's seen what Crimson Dawn is capable of. What? When the, the planet that they're on, saying sang whatever it is, the S Saverine. planet, Saverine, yeah. That planet is the one that Infus Nest says is the, you know, when she describes the planet where they cut out everybody's tongues. Yeah. That's the planet. That is the one. That's why nobody speaks there. Right, but you're talking about the guy who works for the Huts, who has slaves. But he's not that kind of person, Ben. That's the whole point. Not That's why what Han kind of person. awesome. Not he's not a terrible kind of person. person. He thinks he is. He wants to be. He wants you to think that he is this heartless Sort of a monster who is only out it for out for it for his own gain, who is only out for the money. But at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, he will do the right thing. And if that's what they portrayed, I would be fine with that. It. But is that isn't what, they, what portrayed. they portrayed. That is what they portrayed. No, there was no question in the movie during that portrayal. There was no question that he was not going to give the coaxium to Infus Ness. No question. He wasn't trying to convince himself that it was the right thing to do there was no he was the good guy right off the bat there was no conflict in him he was not trying to represent himself as a bad guy and then just did good no he flat out was the good guy he flat out was the good guy even though that was going to cost him the girl that he loved, a small fortune in money, even though his ship was gone at that point, he had nothing to gain. And that is not the Han Solo we see in A New Hope. So my problem is what occurs, because we know this takes place after three, but before four. Right. And we know he's leaving to go work for Jabba. Well, okay, so there's approximately a seven-year gap between the end of this film and A New Hope, okay? Okay. Seven years is a long time. 
Right. Um, so I'm not saying that me, it couldn't change. Let me point this out, okay? So he makes the decision to give the coaxium to this rebellion and leave behind the whole Crimson Dawn thing with the thought in the back of his mind that Kira's coming with him. Okay. When Kira doesn't come with him and he realizes that, in fact, she's a totally different person than than he thought that she was and that that future that he's envisioned isn't real. Maybe he thinks it could never, ever be real for him in his situation. Perhaps that is one of the moments that hardens him in that way. And that could be that could be one of the moments that hardens. Sure. But when we see him interacting with Kira and she tells him, this is who you are, you're the good guy. Right. You've always been the good guy. Right. And then he behaves like the good guy. Now, the only way that this can make sense in my head is if she's saying that to manipulate him in the hopes that she's going to walk out of there in charge of Crimson Dawn or that part of it. That she is just that cutthroat that she's planning to kill Dryden Voss and take over. Right. And well, I mean, she at, at uses this point, Han. he left him. Dryden left her little choice but to do just that. When he sent her on this mission with them, and he says, and if, uh, by the way, if you all fail me, we're, we're all out of options. And she gives him the look of like, you fucker. Like, if we fail, you're going to kill me too. So, and and then the other problem I have with this movie is, what the fuck do they do on Kessel? What do you mean? Well, because it's still canon that the spice mines are on Kessel. The Kessel Run is still in canon, a smuggler's route for getting spice. It is making the Kessel Run with spice for Jabba that causes Han the problems that Jabba's hunting him. I don't, I don't think that's canon. No, that is canon. I looked it up before we did this, just to double check. That is still canon. But Kessel is also the planet where they go for the coaxium. Right. So I, they said that the coaxium, their, their only source of unrefined coaxium is a fissure. Okay? It's, it's not all over the planet, but there is a fissure of this coaxium on Kessel. So right. I think it is plausible that while mining for spice, they found this fissure. Well, and and that could be, but here here is my problem, and this is why I bring it up. The Kessel Run, quote unquote, is just the navigation of that right, getting through all the yes, the navigation shit. of the storm <clears throat> to get to Kessel. And and but what what I'm saying is, to me, when they were writing this movie, they tried entirely too hard to include things that we iconically associate with Han Solo. To try and make it the quintessential solo movie, and I think the movie suffered for that. I agree. Um, and that's why I bring it up, because Kessel now does two things, because the Kessel run is two different things. Now, Han Solo isn't the person who figured out how to do the Kessel run in shorter distance. Now it was L3. Well, that's he never says he figured it out. No, no. He, he says he flies the ship that did it. Right, right. But I just mean, before it was heavily implied that Han Solo was that good. There are, there are other problems with Han Solo. It, it still boggles my mind why he extended the landing gear and put the Falcon on that fucking asteroid. If he was a good pilot, that makes no sense. Well, to kill the, um, the TIE fighter. It worked. But... 
TIE fighters are maneuverable and fast. That's all they have. They're not very heavily armed. They're not very heavily armored. It was armed enough. It was doing damage to the ship, and they didn't have a way to destroy it. The cannon had already been destroyed, Ben. What are you going to do? But it's a spacecraft. You lose maneuverability and control when you touch down on a physical object. Zipping through the fissures and the cracks and the canyons, that makes perfect sense. You're trying to make the other pilot fuck up and crash. Once the Falcon touches down, until you lift off, you have extremely limited, if any, control. Except that he did have enough control in that moment to do what he needed to do. To do what? He skidded sideways and the other guy fucked up and crashed. Well, and the guy, other guy didn't fuck up. The, the debris that was lifted up crashed through oh, the tie Oh, it was debris fighter. that hit him. The debris smashed okay. the port of the so tie. So he was crashing to make a debris Yes, he, he was crashing to make debris. Okay, I, for some reason I missed that it was debris. So I guess that's feasible. Then. Yeah, it was actually a really interesting shot. It was shot. a beautiful looking it, scene. It was a really interesting shot that we've, ne- again, we've never really seen in a Star Wars movie because the, the rocks come up and they smash the viewport of the TIE Fighter and you see the inside of the TIE Fighter as that happens and the dude, like, I mean, again, space may not actually work this way but the thing like frosts over like the dude like whoosh you know yeah and then the tie explodes so okay so that makes sense to me now okay um i i I absolutely agree with you in the sense that i i do feel like the the general plot of this movie is not very strong but i don't think it's implausible in any sense of the word like the the uh stormtroopers refer to the wookie refer to chewbacca as the beast you know what fucking wookies are they're not man-eating monsters well but it's not like that was a raincoat i i don't know they they imply that they've fed people to chewbacca before right been treating them like monsters the Wookiees have been enslaved, Ben. Right, they've been enslaved. But the way those guys acted, they were throwing somebody down to a rancor. They weren't. It was it was a Wookiee. Well, sure, but the Wookiee had... I mean, that's a really dark piece of Chewbacca, right? That apparently... That he was eating people eating to survive? people, right. Um, They're bringing him to that level. That's more of a... I found that that was a really strong character moment for for oh, him i liked it for chewbacca i thought it was a good moment for chewbacca i just the characterization of chewbacca as the beast chewbacca's conditions would imply that he's a prisoner and they're torturing him yeah the way they speak of him it wasn't a derid uh it wasn't derisive they weren't using the beast as an insult they were just using it as a term, like someone would refer. You know what I mean? And it it, it would have made more sense to me if they were uh, saying the beast jokingly, because you're forcing a sentient being to eat other sentient beings. You're being shitty to a Wookiee. Yeah. And so for them to be like, we'll feed him to the beast, you know, conjures up images of the rancor in Jabba's palace. Well, but I I thought that that was more of a clever way just to to get Chewbacca into the story in a way that you wouldn't expect. Um, I, I mean, I'm not going to nitpick it to that degree. I thought it was fine. Well, but like I said, there's a lot of these little things that... And that wasn't a huge thing. I just thought those stormtroopers were shitty. Um, 
But, you know, they, they put a lot into the game, or into the game, into the movie, that I think the movie suffered for. Because they were trying to bring us these iconic terms. Um, the space squid, I don't know what the fuck purpose that served. Except to launch the, or to get rid of the escape pod that you had in the whatever the notch was called in the front of the Millennium Falcon. Well, but that that was a big, um, yeah, I mean, that's true. And they only did that to sell toys. Yeah. So, fuck off. That didn't need to be there at all. That was just a fuck you. You just did that to sell toys. That escape pod served no purpose in to get rid- except to get rid of the space squid. The space squid served no purpose except to chase the escape well, pod. Well, yeah, but that was all... Ben, you're talking about Star Wars shit that has always been Star Wars shit, right? Like, the giant monster is a re- is a big Star Wars staple. In Empire Strikes Back, you had the worm monster, right? Right. In in Return of the Jedi, you had the Rancor, which they, they borrowed from that. And um, the Sarlacc. And you had the Sarlacc. In New Hope, you had the Dianaga. In the uh, Trash Compactor, right? The, the natural threats are a big part of these movies. Except for every one of those threats was... And even in episode one, a more legitimate one, threat, it, which you episode one, which you apparently put on a the pedestal big fish. now. The big I fish. I don't put it on a pedestal. I just said it was better than the Last Jedi. That seems like you're putting it on a pedestal to me. No, the 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 hierarchy doesn't go shit pile top of pedestal. There's like steps to the pedestal. I don't know. I don't know. Empires man. on top of the pedestal. That's still an insane claim to me. But okay. Um, but anyway, the the other monsters just felt like they served somewhat of a purpose and this one did serve a purpose yeah to get rid of the millennium falcon's escape pod to make it look like the millennium falcon we know and love and to allow them to market a different millennium falcon as the solo movie falcon well but also to draw them to the maw which they almost got caught in it was it was a cool sequence it was a really cool sequence. why why did that didn't draw them to the maw yes it did it chased them to the maw they wouldn't have had to go there if it wasn't for that creature Okay. I'm still not a fan of the escape pod on the front. I think that was gimmicky and bullshit. I I did like the dichotomy of the bad guys that we are not rooting for in the beginning or that we're cheering against are the bad guy or end up being the good guys. I did not like the mall cameo. You did not like it. No. I, I didn't think that you would because, and it's so ironic, right? It's so ironic that we talked about mall. <laughs> Like a couple of weeks ago. He's fucking dead. Let him be dead. Stop bringing him back because you know we like him. Well, but he's not dead in this time. No, he's not. It's seven years, which this means is he's still right, got like five years of life left. This is right after he loses Mandalore. It's pretty close. Yeah, it's no, it's it's more than that. It's much longer than that. Uh, I think the official Wikipedia canon entry says it's after he loses Mandalore, he takes control of Crimson Dawn. Well, sure, but he's then he must have been in control of Crimson Dawn for some time. But Crimson Dawn's first real appearance is in Solo. Is this film, right. Well, first real appearance in the canon, but I think it's implied. I mean, you, you don't. This organization just doesn't just pop out of nowhere. You know, it's it has to have been building for years at this point. I wonder if this is supposed to take the place of Black Sun. Yeah, we haven't heard that name, have we? Um, 
That's and so an, why? Why is it Crimson Dawn and not Black Sun? I don't know. Well, Crimson, right? Darth Maul, Red. Yeah. I would think that that's probably it. Instead of taking a name that people probably will associate with something else, right? You mean like the Kessel Run? I don't know. I, I, How about L33T? I, I was just about to bring her up. Um, L337. I actually think that the idea that this droid and her personality are a part of the Millennium Falcon uh, is actually kind of cool. Uh, especially when you look back on things like when 3PO is communicating with the Falcon in Empire. And he does make the comment about how the ship has the most peculiar dialect. Okay. That's understandable now. I mean, granted, you you know, it's kind of a throwaway line in Empire. But even just now, this movie, putting that into context, you you do get more context for that line, and you get you, there's a deeper meaning to it now. Um, I thought that that was smart. I thought that was cool. I thought it was kind of ridiculous how distraught Lando was over L3 getting shot and well hang on before we go before we go to that I also think it makes scenes like for example when Han is like oh we're gonna pull out like we're gonna go and we're just gonna hyperspace in and we're just gonna hyperspace right past the shields on Starkiller base and be able to pull out at the exact right moment Granted, it kind of takes a little bit away from Han Solo's prodigious skill, right? But at the same time, makes it a little more realistic. Because now, his confidence in that moment is not just because he's a pretty good pilot and he'll be able to, you know, save them from crashing into the mountainside. But it's because he knows that he has a very, very capable ship onboard computer <laughs> that would be able to plot out that course and get them to but exactly where they need to be. A- Letting the ship abandoned on Jakku seem all that. He didn't let it abandoned. It was stolen from him. By people he knew, right? He knew who took it. No, he didn't know who took it. He had to ask Ray. Oh. He never would have let it go. He didn't seem to be looking that hard for it. I mean, what are you gonna do? If 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 it's taken and you have no leads and you're not on the government's good side anymore. Because we, we can assume that that have, must have happened after he and Leia called it splits. Called it quits, I should say. Well, you know it's probably not in area controlled by the First uh, the first Order. Right, and you don't want to fuck with the First Order either. So you know it's not in that area. So it's got to be in non-First Order systems. They found it, is the point. This is a Galactic Network podcast. Do you believe that there's intelligent life somewhere out there? that maybe extraterrestrial beings have already visited the Earth? Are you a fan of movies or TV shows like Star Trek or Alien? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then you may also like the Alien Invasion Podcast. On every episode, we talk about the latest ET-related news, report on a recent sighting, and make some alien-themed entertainment picks. Subscribe, download, and listen from where you get podcasts. Or by going to gncasts.com slash aliens. That's g-n-c-a-s-t-s dot com slash aliens. For more on this Galactic Network podcast, go to gncasts.com. That's g-n-c-a-s-t-s dot com. 
So you you had a problem with Lando and L3's relationship? No, not their relationship. The fact that he was so distraught when L3 was quote-unquote dying. Yeah. If not only do we know you can just plug the droid's brain into something else, we see them do it. Like, it's a droid. It's not like if Han Solo dies, Han is dead. You can't just plug his brain into a new body. But it's not quite the same. They they took her brain and put it into the Falcon, but the Falcon doesn't think the same way. It's a ship. It doesn't think the right. same way that a droid but, does. But you could have put it into a droid. Like, to me, it would have make, made more sense if that tragic moment of loss was felt when they decided to hook it to the ship. Because I understand the ship is different than a droid. So you're probably going to lose something because the ship is not designed to carry all of that cerebral activity. Right. So you're you're thinking Lando should have had more of the conflict of plugging her in in the first place. Right. Plugging her into the ship should have been sure. was actually her death. Okay. Getting shot on Kessel, what do you fucking do? Her droid body dies. Plug her into a different yeah, unit. Yeah, but again, I, I really think that you are... You're assumption and understanding of how droids work in this universe i i feel they specifically talk about mind wiping they specifically talk about being able to remove her her droid brain and connect it to the ship so droid brains are a thing they are removable we they know enough how to uh manipulate droid memory to wipe the brain Okay. And reprogram them. But what you're doing is you're saying that this reaction from this character is illogical because of what you think is possible in this universe. No, no. What we have been shown is possible. I disagree because I we have never been is never ever been shown a droid's consciousness, like a full droid's personality and knowledge being taken from one body and put into another. I, I my context clues from every Star Wars movie to this point and Star Wars animated series to this point is that if that if a droid blows up and dies, sure, you can take its like knowledge and put it into another being or another body, but I don't think that its personality carries over from that. I think that that is the same as giving it a mind wipe. I don't necessarily I, I don't understand how that could be true. I don't necessarily either, but I, at the same time, I can't continue to question the conventional wisdom of every piece of Star Wars material but, we see. When your your but your there is reaction, there is no other piece of Star Wars. What other piece of Star Wars material makes it that important? When the droids, it, the general care no, no. that the no. heroes seem to have for the droid characters, your your they don't logic for this care has about always droid been, characters. That's at not all, true, except for R two. That's not true. They care about R R two and three PO a great deal. Ah, three PO nobody cares about. They they do care about him. If they didn't care about him, why would they bring him along at all? Because at that point, he's just an annoyance. Because he's right? a protocol droid that speaks like six billion languages. Okay, but. The, the we never see a droid die on screen that gets brought back i admit right but we do see how fine-tuned control they have with droids and tweaking their personalities and manipulating their memories okay 
So I don't think it's that far of a stretch. I don't think it's plus, that far of a stretch Plus, either. we do see droids' brains being removed from their bodies and placed on other droids and still functioning. But here's my point, Ben. Because C-3PO's head ends up on the body of a trooper, and he's still C-3PO. Sure. And the trooper then acts like C-3PO does. Right. The, so we know their brains are interchangeable. But here's, here's my point. <coughs> when you take a moment like that where you're like, man, Lando was was acting illogically or inconsistently in that moment. It is possible, but I would think that considering that Lando Calrissian, the character, is the character that lives in this world, and you and I don't live in that world, I would think Lando Calrissian, the character, would have a greater understanding of the situation and would be reacting in the way that he would react in that situation. It- and so I, I, I am not going to jump to the conclusion. You jump to the conclusion that he's acting irrationally or in an inconsistent way with the universe. And my conclusion is, no, he's reacting the way he's supposed to react. We just don't understand I, enough about you're, the situation. You're, you're misinterpreting my, my problem with it. My problem isn't how he reacted when, the, when, when L3, L3 was, died. was shot. Sure. My problem is that it was not more traumatic when her memory was being synced with the Falcon. Right. Because obviously she was still alive, or her, her memory was still there, in order for them to even do that. But at that point, it's survival. And if Lando is nothing else, he's a survivalist. I agree. I, I just mean, I would have liked to have seen that have more of an impact on him i understand he's just trying to live he's resolved to survive right i get that but that is actually when l3 dies the final death i agree with you and it actually plays into my my complaint about lando in this movie uh a lot of people are calling donald glover's performance as lando the breakout in the movie right I'm not saying he does a bad job. He does a great job. I'm a fan of him. I'm a fan of his work. I'm a fan of his music. I've been a fan of his for a long time. Uh, I don't think Lando has done enough justice in this movie. And when you look at the actual steps that he takes as a character, he's fucked over by these people in a really big way, right? Like I agree. They, they show up. They say, we need a ship. We need you to come out of retirement. He says, all right, fine. I'll take this much money. And Beckett looks at him and says, 25%, you fuck. Then he goes, all right, fine. I'll do it. Then he goes, they get the ship. They help, but you know, he gets it brought down to 20%. So he's getting 30% less of the, of the share of the prize that he wanted going into the deal. Then his droid dies, um, arguably love interest in some way dies right and then he loses his ship while well, his ship is fucked up the escape pod is lost destroyed and the, the extra the escape ex- pod the, it still has an escape pod sure one of the escape pods is destroyed uh the exterior of the ship looks like trash uh there was a fire right there's fires inside the hallways so he's gonna have to do a lot of work on it to get it looking how he as pristine as it was before and then he doesn't even get any money out of the situation well part of that it's because he ran away before the deal was done right but he wouldn't have got any money if he stayed he wouldn't have got any money if he stayed and then he gets not not screwed out of his ship because he was he would have cheated to keep the ship 
but he loses his ship in the game of Sabak, and it's over. See, Lando's left with nothing. And and this comes to one of my problems. How is he a friend of Hans? That that's my thing. I how need is he a to friend? know. I need to see now in this in this coming seven years how do Han Solo and Lando Calrissian make good, right? How do they become friends? The, the the kind of friends where Lando looks at the situation in Empire, and while initially he was definitely he was he sold them out. Well, he right? had to because he he's responsible for everyone on Cloud right. City. He had to sell them out, but he eventually says fuck that, and he and he joins the rebellion, and he lets everything go. Basically, because of Han Solo, it's like how do you go from that to the end of this film? I need to know. And, and I, I agree. That's one of the problems that I have too. How do I get from here to to where I know it has to go? Right. And I don't think this film does it. I don't think that that's a problem with any of the actors in no, the film doing a bad job. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think they all did wonderful jobs in their role. I think they did really good with what they had. I just do not like the the script, the story they try to tell. I don't think it's very strong. And I think the reason why it's not very strong is because they want to make more movies. Well, and I think the other part is they were trying so hard to put everything Han Solo together. We had to see Chewie in this movie. He had to get the Falcon in this movie. He had to meet Lando in this movie. You know what I mean? These things had to happen. There's no two ways about it. Um, uh, one thing that I think is is really, it was it's probably a throwaway. Nobody, I'm sure, other people noticed, but nobody cares besides me. Um, did you see the suit that they used? Uh, that uh, Tobias used. Uh, Tobias oh, Land- Lando's. So yeah, Lando's Jabba Lando's Jabba disguise. Right. Right. Why did that need to be in there? Well, I took it that it was a costume that they had available on the Falcon. And and it just happens to be a costume they have available on the Falcon later, too? Well, sure. Why not? But why wouldn't you use a... Like when you're invading Jabba's palace, wouldn't you dress the way the guards dress? Like, I always took it that that was the uniform of the guards, the humanoid guards in Jabba's. Oh, sure. Because the Gamorreans are dressed the same. It doesn't look like the guards have... I mean, yeah, the Gamorreans, but they're the only ones. Like, it, it didn't look to me that the What other human guards do we see, though, besides Lando? Uh, I mean, there's the Weequay, you know? There's the... Uh, but he's a different species, so obviously his outfit's going to be different. I, I guess my point is it doesn't matter then, right? If they're not all uniformed the same way, they could be uniformed in any way. So that was just a, 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 true. a helpful disguise. I just don't know if that needed to be in there. No, it, it could need be in, to be, but it, it was cool. It could be an Easter egg, but you spent so much time slamming it. Like, they had a whole scene about Lando's capes. Yeah, he had a lot of capes. That was cool. Yeah, but Lando's capes is a joke outside. Now it's a joke inside. Now that they What's brought the problem? into the movie. I, why, I, why are you complaining about a funny joke or a clever scene? I'm, I'm complaining that they tried to throw too much of it in one movie. Okay. You, you try to do way too much fan service, and I think the movie suffered for it. Okay. I, I mean, I don't think that affects the movie at all. Things like a cape, the cape room, right? I actually thought that was cool. It added context to the character and how he would keep this version of the ship because this is the first time that we're seeing the Lando Calrissian owned Millennium Falcon. Right. I, I like the idea of the fact that it looked a lot different, that it, it, it had a general aesthetic that was way different from the way that Han and Chewie kept it later. 
I like I said, I it's not that any one of these things bothers me. It's that the collection of them, it seems like it was more important to get fan service in than pro- to produce an outstanding story. Sure. And okay. that's that's my criticism. I'm not complaining and about the Cape Room in, in particular. I'm just saying with all of this fan service, like I enjoyed Chewbacca playing chess for the first time or whatever version yeah. of that that is. Did, did Jarek? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, it's fan service. How much of it do you need to put in this movie? And every bit of fan service takes seconds away from actual story. Well, can, which can was I? Weak. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, can I posit the idea that perhaps they felt like they needed to put this much fan service into it because of the the struggles behind the scenes with the directors and with the way they had to put together the story. I mean, even the trailers themselves feature moments of the film that are not in the actual film, like Rogue One before it. I just, I, I think, I think Disney is losing sight of some of the things that make Star Wars fans love Star Wars. But at the same time, there are so many things in this movie that are very, very Star Wars, you know, very, very, key and essential to making that Star Wars atmosphere. So you can't say that they don't understand that they don't understand it. I, I think that a well, lot the, of the, the other option though is they're willfully ignoring it. So I'm I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt by saying they don't understand. Because like I said, I don't think this was a bad movie. I don't think it was a bad Star Wars movie. I just don't think it was a good Han solo movie. Okay. I, even though I think your major flaw your major complaint about Han I think is unfounded. Um, well, and all I said was, I need to know how he gets from where he is to where we know he has to be. And right. I admit there's time in there that it can happen, but I want to know now. I want to know now too, which is unfortunate because I, I as well, uh, well, I guess it's not, a, not as well, as poorly as this film seems to be doing at the box office. We might not get another one. And, and, and I say poorly, even though it's making money. Like, it's going right. to make plenty of money. When all said and done, it will make plenty of money compared to the average Hollywood movie, right? But compared to the lofty expectations set out by the, the franchise under Disney so far, I, I do feel like it'll be a struggle to get them to greenlight another one. Now, on the bright side of things, Disney does have a track record of making things that are not necessarily profitable, because it needs to be there for the story. Like, I don't know if you know, ABC tried to cancel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. several times. Oh, sure. And yeah. Disney made them keep it. Right. So it is possible that even if Solo does poorly, they will continue with Solos because they want have a story to tell. Well, and again, does poorly, as in doesn't do as well as the other films. Right. Because it isn't doing... I wouldn't say poorly. I would say... Poorly for what we have come to expect. It is not meeting expectations for a Star Wars movie. Right. But we don't really know what expectations to have when we're releasing a movie every year either. And that will be the uh, the key going forward. I mean, they can do it with Marvel. So I would think that they can find a way to do it with Star Wars. Um, before we move on, or before we wrap up, there are actually a couple of things that I wanted to bring up. Okay, let's, let's hear them. Um... I thought it was interesting that Kira's fate could have been Han's. Because Han gets off the planet. Kira does not. 
Uh, I think that Han very well could have become the villain, very well could have become the hardened criminal that he wishes that he would it would be. Or that he thinks himself to be. That he thinks himself to be, if he had actually stayed on Corellia. (coughs) The thing is, at this point in time, I don't think Han thinks of himself as a criminal either. What what do you think he thinks himself as? Well, but his first criminal act is in this movie, other than being a scum rat. Okay. You know what I mean? He's, He's doing what he has to do to survive on Corellia. Um, and after that, he's doing what he needs to do to rescue Kira. He's not, I don't think he views himself as a scoundrel yet. I think he does. I mean, it's, it's all about setting up a reputation, right? That's why he abandons the Imperial Army to begin with. Uh, when he sees a group of people that are actually going to do what he wants to be doing. Right, but he abandons the Imperial Army not because he's a scoundrel, but because if he gets a cut of that, he can buy a ship to go back and get Kira. Right. It it has nothing to do with him being a bad guy. He's still being a hero. He's still he's still trying to do the right thing. I I agree, but I I do think it's killing two birds with one stone as well. He's getting something under his belt. He did point out to the smugglers that he has a set of skills for this specific for these type of tasks because of how he was raised. Right. Um I thought it was cool that there was no life debt for Chewbacca that he chose to hang out with Han and he chooses to be his friend because I think the idea of the Wookiee give it, you know, oh, are you, you sure there's my, no life debt? I mean, they never mention the term they life don't debt mention in the movie. It, but Han does definitively save Chewie's life. But Chewie also is ready to leave them and go and help the Wookiees and then chooses to go and back to them That's instead. That's true. I thought it was interesting how they subtitled the Wookiee. They didn't subtitle the Wookiee. They subtitled Han speaking, speaking Wookiee. Wookie. That's what I meant. Yes, but Chewbacca gets, still gets no subtitles. That's dumb to me. I, I, I mean, I get it. I get that it's a tradition, right? Well, He's no, but never if you're been gonna, subtitled. If you're going to subtitle Wookiee speak the Wookiee language, I don't remember what it's called. Sherwook. Sherwook. If you're going to subtitle Sherwook for one character, you should do it for all of them. Right. But it's tradition. Chewbacca doesn't get subtitles. We just have to guess, right? Neither does R2-D2, so. Right. And neither does BBA. Oh, that brings up another point. Someone else in this movie understood droid. A non-droid. Um, it was in the control room on Kessel. I remember making a mental note of it. Uh, one of the astromechs beeps, and someone else from across the room answers the beeps. Like, speaks basic to that droid in response to it beeping okay i not standing i don't know why you feel like you have to point this out it's been yes it's it's well documented that there are people that can understand droid we talked before that one of the things was uh anakin and then later luke were the only people who understood without a display screen they weren't understood they couldn't understand or they're not the only people sabine can understand um I think well, Ezra Chopper, has, I can understand, for Christ's sake. Well, no, but Sabine can understand binary. She can speak to R2. It's it's displayed. All that, that's old news. Uh, a great reprise of part of the Empire's score during that Kessel chase, um, mm-hmm. or, or, or part of Empire Strikes Back's score. It was the asteroid, the asteroid belt. They yep. reused that score in that, in that uh, sequence. I thought that was really cool. Um, I thought the final battle, like... The way that that all played out with Beckett coming back and uh, 
revealing, you know, or, or double-crossing Han, you know, pretty much the setup of what was had been happening the whole time. He had told him, don't trust anybody, don't trust anybody. Oh, guess what? I came back and double-crossed you. It's like, that's not super surprising, but then again, Han planned for that. I was going to say, I would have loved that if Han hadn't been aware of it, because then that would have been the moment that hardened Han. Well, but that was the moment that hardened Han was Kira. Right. Uh, the reveal of Maul, you were not interested in. I thought it was cool to see him back in the movie, in the, you know, in, in the movies again. And I think it definitely cemented uh, a new realm for Star Wars movies going forward in the sense that it is very possible that future films, especially films with original characters in them, are going to make connections and references to ex- to expanded content to rebels to clone wars to comic books etc uh without necessarily giving them to you beforehand right there was no softening of the blow it was if you had never seen rebels or clone wars maul is on screen wait i thought he was cut in half in episode one right that now is causing people i i've read posts and facebook comments and stuff where people are like wait a second so this would have had to have taken place before episode one and i'm like no 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 <laughs> see but he's he's alive he's been alive that's a thing but it's now you have to go and explain that to people and the the filmmakers were not scared to do that but I think they should have been. You think they should have been? Well, because we know what Maul's doing during Rebels. We know what he eventually dedicates himself to doing. Yes. So this has to take place between the end of Rebels and no. the beginning of Rebels. No, it doesn't. Beginning of Rebels is five years. This is seven years. And we don't catch up with Maul until the third season of Rebels, which is like three to two years before the Battle of Yavin. Well, when Maul dies two years before the Battle of Yavin. Ah, uh, two, two to one. No, no, right? two is definitive what it says. Is that what it says? Yes. Okay, so two years. So um, so how long really did he this, and Ezra know each other? Probably not very long. This, all I'm saying, or all I tried to say, was this has to take place somewhere between the end of, of episode three... And the beginning of Rebels. It has to. Uh, no, it doesn't. Well, oh, oh, wait. Well, yes, it does. And it does. It, it does have to. Yeah. But the thing is, we know what Maul's doing up until the beginning of Episode 3. Because that's when the Clone Wars series ends. Right, okay. And we know what Maul's doing in Rebels. Season 3. So... Oh, no, season two. Yeah. Maul does show up in season two. So there's two. not right. a lot of time for Maul to be running a galactic crime syndicate. I, I don't know. I mean, there's 15 years. That's a lot of time. 15 I, years total between... Between the beginning of Rebels and the end of episode three. Okay, because Rebels is three years before... Rebels is five years. Starts five years before. And Luke is 20 in or 19? Approximately, yeah. Okay, so 15, all right, so it's 15 years. Yeah, there's plenty of time. 15 years is, is plenty of time for Maul to have run this syndicate and then get run out, or the syndicate gets 
shut down or whatever. Whatever happens, I, and I'm sure we will find out. Eventually. I, I just think we have to bookmark that. We I want to know what happens there. Yeah, and and bringing Maul back, I, I understand. Again, that's more fan service for me because there was no need for it to be Maul. You had an opportunity to bring in another character there. Sure. To lead into more stuff. I did think uh, it was cool that Maul is someone who is like in the old canon, is someone who was established as a, um, pun intended, a master of Tereskasi. And that Tereskasi is something that Kira makes a, a couple of uses of in this film. And she learns it from Dryden. She learns Voss. it from Dryden Voss, who must have learned it from Maul. That's that's my connection there. I thought that was a really cool touch. Um, I thought that Dryden's use of those lightsaber knives. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking they almost have to had to have been developed by Maul, right? Because of the sound that they made when they were cutting through the air and when they made contact with a substance and cut through it definitely lightsaber-esque so I, I you would think that only someone who was familiar with a lightsaber would have been able to make something like that uh and See, I, I thought they were, were more res- reminiscent of the plasma pikes used by the magna guards i would have agreed with you but the sound definitely made an impact on me i i, I took very keynote of that sound when I saw it the second time. How similar are they, are those to the weapons the Praetorians use in Last Jedi? Oh, pretty similar. Pretty similar, actually. So perhaps it's a precursor to precursor that. to those, yeah. Um, and then Dryden, while he was not a particularly dynamic villain in any way, um, I liked the aesthetic. I thought Paul Bettany did a good job. I, I think he's an amazing actor. Yeah, he, it was cool. It was cool to see him get some work. Um, I thought he had the right look for the part. And I thought the facial scars, while they seemed to get deeper in color whenever he would get angry, maybe that's a racial trait. Maybe that's a who knows what that could be. The thought did pass through my mind that perhaps the scars were actually given to him by Maul himself. To been. make him look more like Maul, right? To kind of give him that fearsome appearance. Could have been. I don't know. Could have been. I'm just saying it, it's, it's I, cool stuff to think I about. I assume that those scars were made by the knives he was using. Oh. And that those knives were... Because they seemed to have sentimental value to him because he used them for a lot of things and that is by far not the most effective weapon in the star wars universe yeah especially if you're not a jedi so i assume they had to have some type of sentimental attachment and looking at those knives i assume those scars or i thought that those scars could have been made by those knives and that maybe those were earned in the battle where he got the knives probably from the person who had his job before he got it yeah that was my thoughts but i'm just Throwing that out We're there. just riffing. We're just riffing. Okay. Uh, do you have anything more about Solo that you want to talk about? Um, I really want to know more about, what is it, Emphis Nest? Emphis Nest. It's kind of a weird name, like to not have written down or to not have known. For a long time, I the thought movie. they were saying Infernus. Yeah, me too. I thought it was like a the name of the gang, right? And it turns out to be the name of this person who apparently that may not actually be her name. She said before my mother before she 
died right, when, when she mask. wore the mask. Like, maybe that's the name of the person who leads this group, right? Um, but I'd like to know more about that group. It was heavily implied that they are the beginnings of the rebellion. Or they're at least one of them. Right. Or a rebellion. Um, but they're actually a rebellion I could get behind. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. Because one of the things we've talked about many times is the leaders of the Rebel Alliance are specifically fighting for freedom for their planets, but they're the people in charge of their planets. Sure. As opposed to Cassian, who was actually just a person who wanted freedom. Well, I'm thinking that this group could be people that have been influenced by those Rebel Alliance leaders. Or maybe the, those Rebel Alliance leaders hijack this rebellion, jump into it with the idea that they can, we have the political clout to help you and get allies and end up taking it over. It's possible. I, I just, I like the idea of this rebellion. I want to see more of it. Sure. Uh, so that leads me to my last question for you. If they made another one of these movies, like specifically like, like Solo, Solo 2, no, no, maybe they wouldn't call it Solo 2, but you know, another chapter of the Young Han Solo Chronicles, you you would be interested in seeing it. I, I have I have to go see it. Well, I, and that's a really tough question for us to answer, right? Right. Like, that's, we that's, feel like we have to go see it. But it, it, just imagine, if you will, <laughs> that you didn't care this much. <laughs> I, I don't know. Because, like, I'm, I, I can tell you, and it, it's well documented, I am not a big fan of The Last Jedi, but I'm going to see episode nine. Yeah. When it comes out. Because I want to know how it ends, and I understand I can't really judge eight without seeing nine. Although I certainly can judge five without seeing six, because five is fucking amazing. Um, anyway, uh, I, so I, I, I would be compelled because I want to know what fills the gap. Okay. But if I didn't care at all about Star Wars, then the pieces of the movie I nitpicked or that bothered me would probably bother me less. So I would actually be more inclined to see it, if that makes sense. Okay. I mean, obviously I'm going to see it because it's Star Wars and I'm me, but... I think if I was going to a movie just to see a movie and I saw this solo movie, I think as a standalone movie, it would have been phenomenal. I think the problems this movie has are because it's trying to fit into the greater movie. And, and it's trying too hard to do that. And arguably because it's trying to lay the groundwork for another movie. Right. I thought the movie was pretty good, uh, but as... As strange, yeah, I, I mentioned it at the beginning, I was not, I'm not going to go see it in the theater again. It's the um, weakest of the non, it is by far the weakest of the non-Saga Star Wars movies they've released. You would say Rogue One was a stronger movie than this one? Yes. Okay, and that's interesting because you didn't like Rogue One very much. I didn't like the ending of Rogue One. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. You know what I mean? I didn't yeah. like how it fit in, but as a movie, I liked Rogue One. Okay. That makes more sense. Okay. Well, that's it. Solo, a Star Wars story covered <laughs> in relative detail <laughs> by me and Ben, by the New Jedi Archives. So let us know what you thought. You can email us at newjediarchives at gmail.com. And as with every Star Wars movie that's coming out, once this is out on DVD, Blu-ray, digital, we'll get it. 
we'll, we'll watch, it, and watch again, it together and we'll see if we find anything different but I, right. I don't I honestly don't know if we will it's a it's not that complicated of a movie everybody it doesn't have that many layers to it at least that's my opinion um, I, I I saw the layers in Rogue One I saw the layers in Force Awakens and Last Jedi. I didn't see that many layers to this movie. And I think that that could be a symptom of its filmmaking process. That could be a symptom of that there have been so many hands in the in the pot on this one that perhaps they just needed to get it out and be done with it. And that has caused it to not be as memorable or as um, detailed as other Star Wars films have been. Whatever it may be, if if you were on the fence about seeing it, I would see it. So yeah, hit us up at our email. Uh, you can like us on Facebook uh, or you know subscribe on whatever podcasting service you listen to us on. And uh, the most important thing, share it with your Star Wars loving friends if you like the podcast, because that is the only way that we're going to get more people to hear this thing. Do you uh, do you want to tell them what that email address is? I already did. Did you? Yeah, newjediarchives at gmail dot com. Okay, good. Yeah, I already did. Trying to go for word economy, Ben. We don't do that very often. Uh, Ben, may the force be with you. And also with you, Zach. This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.